Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Arc Refugees Podcast. Ted here, John here, here talking a DC United, Washington Spirit. Washington Spirit, probably mostly on this show. Almost, US men's almost and, exclusively. <laughs> almost exclusively on this show. Uh, U.S. men's and women's national team. And I forgot, John, we were discussing what we we're going to talk about in the pregame. We can also touch a little bit on the on the U.S. men today, considering they uh, had a uh, dos to zero, two nothing victory over Mexico. I should probably keep a little quiet in the household when talking about that, <laughs> considering uh, considering who I married. Uh, but, you know, we'll uh, but uh, John, how you doing, man? How was your weekend? Uh, it was pretty good. I was at a comedy show in Charlottesville last night. So that was Ooh, a nice. that was a nice little experience. Well, how about you? What did you get into? I refereed a referee in the morning. Um, then I, uh, on Saturday, uh, then I, you know, I think I sat down. There was some, I think some, uh, <clears throat> some, uh, World Cup qualifiers. I really hate like international breaks mm-hmm. because it's like, like your whole morning is just like, what do you watch? Like, there isn't any like club soccer. Usually all the like, all the, uh, all the, uh, World Cup qualifiers, even though this time they had them during the weekend. So I guess there was a little bit to watch. Uh, but not a whole lot. I did watch the U.S. Mexico. I caught the second half of that game. Um, so uh, very uh, uh, an impressive win for the for the U.S. men's national team. So I, I do want to touch a little bit on that because we all know we all know the uh, the, the fan base out there. But did you watch U.S. Mexico? By the way, I should ask. Not most of did, it. Not most of it. No. <laughs> well, if, if if you did, um, I know we on the show we are we are biased towards our DC United uh, fans. So we were having a DC United fans were having a little bit of fun thinking that Paul Riola was start. Paul Riola did not make an appearance in this game, uh, but the U S looked very good. And I thought this game was a perfect understatement. Um, I, I think it was a, a validation uh, that you can, you can disagree with maybe Greg Berhalter and some of the things he does. There are things he's done that I've disagreed with, but he is not a bad coach. Uh, he has a clear plan and a clear understanding, and maybe he knows better than you, uh, Mister USMNT Keyboard Warrior, about what's best for the team. Um, I, I have made no qualms about my dislike for uh, U.S. Men's National Team Twitter, and I thought this game was a perfect understatement of the idea of being patient, of, of how talented this team is, and I, I kind of saw the media, a lot of the media, talking about like, "Oh man, this is like the long game. We're playing for 2022." I think it's an even longer game than that. This is this is a 2026 um, type of long game that I think the U.S. Uh, men's national team is playing, and I think a lot of uh, I think it was Felipe Cardenas on uh, came out and said, "Look, I mean, in international international like teams, there is not really." a national program that is as young as this U.S. men's national team. And, you know, they're going to make mistakes. Uh, They're not going to execute in some games, and we've seen that. But when they execute, and they have talent, and this is a really talented young core group of players, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to have games like this. They could very well go down to Jamaica and lose on on Tuesday. Uh, But I I really think this is a young, exciting core of of players. And a lot of these guys like in this World Cup are going to be in their 20s, like early 20s, maybe some still teenagers, like 19, 18 years old. Uh, And then even when they then go to uh, when we have the World Cup here in 2026, they're going to be in their mid 20s. A lot of these players, almost all the players out there, uh, Sands, maybe like Zach Steffen uh, and maybe Walker Zimmerman. You know, those are all those players are going to be in their mid 20s. And that is insane to think about that they went out there, put the game against, uh, put the type of game they put together against Mexico, beat them uh, the way they beat them. 
And uh, they're still an incredibly young team. So I think this almost reaffirms, I think, how exciting uh, the U.S. men's national team. So, um, you know, if, 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 they, if the U.S. do drop against Jamaica, let's have everybody just remember this moment and relax a little bit. There we go. That, that's my, that's my five-minute U.S. men's national team uh, speech. It's weird. Yedlin's old at 28. On the, on he the is. <laughs> yeah, Yedlin, sorry, I guess was another player um, I missed. But yeah, I mean, but even he's, I mean, you're talking Serginio Dest uh, wasn't able to be there. He's sort of maybe sliding into his role. Yep. Uh, maybe that's a role Kevin Paredes can take in. He's really impressed. Uh, I'll be curious to see maybe how he makes his way into that team, uh, considering I think he has a little bit of a stronger defensive mindset than uh, than Serginio Dest. So again, this is like an insanely young team, insanely young program. And uh, I think we all just have to kind of look at this as let's make the World Cup. Whatever happens, happens in 2022. And then we look forward to what's going to come in 2026. Uh, this is a this is a brand new frontier for U.S. soccer. They, they've had young talent in the past, but I don't think they've ever been like having teenagers as a part of your like lineup. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is exciting times, I think, to be a U.S. men's national team fan. Um, so, but I think some people need to calm down and recognize that maybe Paul Riola still has a role to play. Walker Zimmerman certainly still has a role to play. There are other Sebastian Legette has a role to play. All these players have roles to play. Um, and just because they play in MLS doesn't mean they're bad. Uh, I think, I think Tim Weah, how well he played, uh, makes Paul maybe not an automatic starter for nope. Greg. Um, I think that's, I think that's good. I think, I mean, we like seeing Paul out there. I also want to see Paul healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that maybe him not starting every single game like he was previously for Greg when he was healthy, I think is better for DC United in the long term. But the, Tim Weah had a fantastic game. Oh, he was awesome. I think uh, Bustia or no, uh, Musa was also really yeah. good. Really, really good. And uh, he, he was another player to get a game in. But again, he still had a player like Walker Zimmerman who also had a fantastic game. Zach Steffen, everybody was yep. doubting Zach Steffen. Um, but he was Which is really, wild really. To me. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, this is a guy, I, I think he's going, he's slowly starting to get more minutes at Man City. I don't know if it'll be this year, but I think in a couple of years. And I think also, I still feel like we have a problem with like how we age goalkeepers. Uh, let's be clear, like players like Casey Keller, Brad Friedel, all played like we're playing for the U.S. men's national team in their mid-30s. Gigi Buffon played for the Italian national team for, I'm pretty sure, 15 years. I am gonna, I can feel pretty confident in saying it's somewhere in that range. And he's still playing at the club level, and he's like yeah. 58 or however, the hell, however old he actually is. <laughs> however old he is, man. Pat Onstead, too. I was up, they, I think they had on the, uh, on the decision day, they had Pat Onstead. I'm like, Pat Onstead still looks like he could be suiting up gloves and going out there and playing like he looks exactly the same as when he as when he retired i think is like one stint for dc i'd say was do like, you remember <laughs> for the for the uh all the marbles who was pat on set's last team before he retired and the answer is dc united <laughs> dc united yep he had he, <laughs> he had these, like two- he had the gold he had like the silver uh temple like super super white hair on the on the temples it was awesome yep. it was he was looking I'm, like I'm, an old an old backup goalkeeper. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he played like two games, and then I think he like was hurt, and then I think I'm pretty sure that was his 2010, and Bill Hamid, you know, went on and played, and Bill Hamid was so good in that first game that basically that was it. And I think Pondes was like, "All right, guys, See I, I think you're I think you're good with this guy. Uh, we're, I'm just gonna go ahead and and, and I'll, I'll be your goalkeeper coach. I'm gonna go <laughs> be the, the goal, general manager of the future at Houston Dynamo." Yeah, my future. Yeah, you're but right. I think he, he was a goalkeeper coach. I love for that season at the very least. DC United. Um, but uh, enough enough men's soccer talk. Let's talk about 
uh, Washington Spirit and how the Washington Spirit are now the uh, uh, they're going to the final. John, how exciting! Like how like give me like I'm sure you sat down, and you watched that game. You're yep. a little quiet on on our show chat, so. I, I was worried a little bit. Yeah, I was but, out. Uh, <laughs> so I was out. I had to watch the game after the fact because I was oh, out. Oh, gotcha. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we talked about it last week. Uh, this team is... I, 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 I would bet the house on this team beating Chicago next week. I just feel like they are... I feel like they're, some, they're sort of playing in an unstoppable way. Uh, the, the rain were not an easy task. They had mm-hmm. beaten them twice at, at their home field this season. Uh, but after the after the second goal was scored, after the ridiculous second goal, which we'll talk about, uh, was scored in the second half. Like the the rain, were they had a number of opportunities, like feet, inches off of off of off of goal. Uh, Aubrey Bledsoe once again continues, uh, friend of the show now, uh, and and uh, nine fingered goalkeeper uh, managed continues to continues to, to do the business. Was not as busy as she was in the uh, in the quarterfinals, but. Uh, then <laughs> there were 12 block shots uh, by the rain uh, in this game and 23 shots taken. So it was a shooting gallery, but uh, mm-hmm. Aubrey only had to make two saves that were actually on frame. So just a wild game and uh, really a, a gut check test, particularly when they went down uh, in the third minute. That's in a, in a, in a semifinal. That's a, it's very hard to not let that get you down, and it did not at all. Yeah. I mean, I think I think the first goal, the other opening, it was like the second minute was like the opening goal. And I will admit, I got a little bit like, OK, th- this might be the, the, the magic juice. Might, this might be where the magic juice runs out, um, because, you know, again, we, we talked about earlier how play t- even though this this spirit team had dominated the rain in the regular season at uh, at Tacoma in Tacoma. Uh, we talked about how, you know, the teams tend to step up. And to be fair. The rain definitely stepped up their game against the against the spirit. In the, the considering the last two appearances, uh, two times they played them were not were not as good. Um, I, I thought the spirit. I, I was very interested. I, I was kind of like surprised. I think I saw like the expected goals it was something like three expected goals for uh, the rain for, for the rain and like one expected goal for uh for the spirit and i kind of like sat down i said well, let me watch the highlights again let me see if like you know, highlights aren't a great way to analyze a game but you can see the chances and you can kind of like judge if that felt fair and i kind of like that said you know what yeah that's probably that's probably pretty fair there were some there were a couple missed chances i mm-hmm. think i think one moment um i can't remember who got the ball uh who who had the shot for the rain but i'm pretty sure the and who would spirit player but spirit got caught really bad on one play and i think it was a wide open opportunity um wide open opportunity for the uh for the rain player and she just like completely took it wide uh she had uh Aubrey Bledsoe beat uh completely on that shot but uh let, let, let's get down first of all let's talk about the first goal um beautiful for, for the spirit I should say uh we talk a little bit about the rain I guess but I mean I think I think Kelly O'Hara had kind of a rough time um out there on the right side uh she was getting beat I think at least a couple times if I remember correctly especially on that first goal um I, she was probably the only performance maybe that, for the start at least, was a little bit weak for me. Um, I didn't really like – she She kind of was getting beat a lot, um, was not able to sort of keep up. Uh, I mean, uh, definitely you have your national teammate out there in Megan Rapino. Uh, she, she, burned, she burned her a couple times on that play. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that there – I think that the, the rain – I, I this game did not feel like it was being uh, played on a on a small pitch. 
The, it mm. seemed pretty expansive to me uh, in the midfield. There were chances coming on sort of both both sides uh, throughout the whole game. But uh, do we want to talk about Trinity's goal? Yeah, let's talk about Trinity's goal. Sam Staub, I, I think people were talking about on the game. I, I will say this was a game of individual. It was individual moments from the spirit. Um, and it for the for the rain, there was nobody out there who really like took control. The, you have Rose Lavelle, Jessica Fishlock, Megan Rapino. None of those players really seemed to like grab the game the way certain players on the spirit. And we talk about Sam Staub, just an absolutely unbelievable yeah, that's ball an over plus the, assist right there. A plus assist, ball over the top. Uh, and then just a, a calm finish by uh, Trinity Robin, who does not look 19. It is amazing to me how well composed she is in front of goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like the third or fourth time this season she's gotten a ball over the top. And it's like she's just so composed, knows where she wants to place it, and and places it beautifully. It was an absolutely, it was an incredible goal. And I think it was kind of the, it was the, I almost kind of felt at that moment, I'm like, I feel like we're going to go out and we're going to win this game. I, I really, when that type of moment happens and you just see this team sort of just continue to rise to the occasion, uh, you, you get the feeling that this team is this team is playing with with, with a chip on their shoulder and, and and the magic is not running out. Um, and we'll get to the real magic in the second half. Right. But yeah, Trinity. <laughs> I think the good thing about that that composure is to say that that's something that usually comes later to players. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she's got it already, I think you know, she. It's hard to predict someone's future injuries could always derail things or whatever. Uh, but she really seems to have such a like a just limitless future. For, for the club, but also for her national team future. She's just, she is a unique player, and we love, we're so lucky to get to watch her this season. It's incredible to me how, how fast it is, sort of how fast she's grown mm-hmm. um, and how well she's sort of adapted. We, we talk about, and really it's been a lot of players. I think Tara uh, Mikion is another player yes. who was a little rough in the beginning of the year and just really has developed. Uh, she's, she's a, when uh, I think Bailey Feist, we'd have all, you know, unfortunately had her entire season. Uh, derailed uh, from injury, um, but uh, but she, but I mean Tara Mikion now is sort of I, I don't know if Bailey even if Bailey Feist comes back I don't know if she takes that spot. It's certainly depth that was not there before. That was a, yeah. that was an area where they were having a problem. Yeah, in addition, I think other than the fact that she's depth, okay. Tara Mikion was a player that uh, I know Richie was very excited when she first came here, and I know from just my eye test watching her on the field. She was not ready. Like game speed, she wasn't ready. She wasn't making the right choices with the ball. Um, but then, <laughs> uh, then she grew into her confidence over time, and uh, she's first eleven now. I think. I think that you know, if you're if you're if you're wanting if you're wanting to set out with an additional attacking player beyond the front three, someone that's a little bit more dangerous and a little bit more offensive oriented, she's a, she's a she's a nail on starter. And I think for a team that like Chicago, who's going to set out. Uh, defensively, like they have every single time this year, I would imagine against uh, the Spirit, I, McKeown probably starts again. Yeah, I would say so. And um, you, you bring up uh, you bring up Richie Burke. Uh, she got better once uh, she got much better once he was no longer in the picture. I don't know. Make that of make that of what you will with regards to that. Um, but I mean, again, you know, spe- speaking of speak- Chris, go ahead. Chris Ward also stopped playing her as a number nine. Yeah, that's also uh, true. Which is also helpful. I, I I think she could probably. She was a nine in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think she's better than Hatch in that position. So I think that the, moving her to more of a flex position between the midfield, sort of a linking player, I think is at this exact moment the best place uh, on the on the field for her. Yeah, and she, spirit. And she had an opportunity. She had a really nice opportunity. Um, I, I think she forced to save. 
kind of cut the ball inside and had a, had a good opportunity and forced a save out of the out of the old rain goalkeeper. Let's talk about the ridiculousness that was yeah. the second goal. Uh, Ashley Sanchez is now the definity uh, just tries things type of yeah. type of player. Um, I, I don't know if she had that coming in to this, but no. she sure nope. she certainly <laughs> she certainly is developing it. Um, anyone, I I will stand and say that she absolutely intended that. Let's talk about the goal. It's a corner kick. Comes in, takes a deflection, and she has the audacity to scoop it with the outside of her foot and curl it into the back of the net. Absolutely. 100% intentional. I don't think there's any any doubt. Uh if she wants to cross that, she's hitting that low and hard and hope and hope she is not flicking it up uh to where the keeper can get that. That is 100% an intentional shot. Uh an incredible incredible goal, uh a, a cheeky goal. Uh and a and a goal that really sells I think the idea that that this this team had their talent, the talent out there, Ashley Sanchez, Trinity Rodman really the 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 bright the brightest talent brightest young talent stepped up and they've stepped up this playoffs um i i will say probably the one player who maybe hasn't had the in this entire run of form uh that the spirit have been on maybe hasn't been the most noticeable or explosive maybe has been ashley sanchez but she was incredible in this game she did much more than that goal too she had a really nice run down the end line as well yeah uh, you can't say enough about about her this season i think you're right uh, in the last probably four or five games, she's not had any of her her ninety minute performances where she was completely in control of the game. I think that has a lot to do. It continues to have a lot to do with a the opponents. I think she really dominated the weaker opponents like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we she would play a team that's more better or, or 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 more cohesively set up defensively, they would probably mark her out of the game a little bit more more easy. So uh, sometimes you know sometimes a player has to be taken out of the game for the other players to get their space. And I think Sanchez Sanchez gets that. Uh, gets that reputation a little bit i think i'm very curious to see her in our first call up mm-hmm. uh for the national team uh the big thing they said about her was that they they noticed that she actually tried on defense uh which apparently is something that she never did in college and was the big knock against against her she was she could always try stuff and and pull things off but it was that she was sort of a one-sided player so uh great this great that's changing for the spirit for sure i you know that goal will probably like I think you said it on Twitter, that's probably the goal of the season or the goal of the playoffs for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, that'll be on the loop. That'll be on the video. That'll be on the video clip yeah. for the year. I would probably imagine. Yeah, uh, I mean that's that's the goal of the playoffs. No other nominees needed. Thank you. Have a nice day. Yep. Yeah, I think. I, <laughs> so um, again, so let's. Uh, so I guess we we talked about the goals. You know, obviously the rest of the game. Uh, I think the spirit had some opportunities, but like I said, I, I would be very curious to look at that ex- expected goals trend line, how it was from that second goal, because I bet it was down from what it was the rest of the game. I don't think they gained too much. I think the game was really, really won at that point um, mm-hmm. for for the Washington Spirit, and I think they did a good job seeing out the game. They deflected shots. Uh, they, they blocked so many shots. I think that expected goals. I, I wish they would take block shots like away from that. I'd be curious to know like how many, how many of those like high expected goals numbers were from like the blocked shots, uh, that the, that the spirit had. Uh, but again, you know, they, and they're moving on to the final. Um, let's, uh, I think at this point, so, I mean, I know it's been a, it's been a, it, you know, it's been a, a, a tumultuous season. We've talked about everything, everything that's been involved about who's the coach of this team. I think it was kind of assumed that Chris Ward would step in, be sort of the you know caretaker while the team went out, maybe found somebody 
of, uh, you know, somebody who was not a cis white male. Um, but how do you how do you tell Chris Ward at this point? You took the team to the final. If he goes out and wins it, how do you tell him? You at, how do you tell him at this point? Sorry, we're going to look elsewhere. You can't. You get he gets a two year deal. Yeah. If he wins, the, if you, I think he gets a two year deal right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all depending on what this the ownership group does here. But I just think you can't. Uh, the players seem to like him. Mm-hmm. I mean, also though, to be honest with you, I would have said the players like Richie in some ways before too. So the 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 way that the players talk in the media is not the way that they talk, you know, privately. I'm sure. But all that said, it seems like they like him, and he seems like he's he's a very very supportive uh, guy on and off the field for that for that to that group. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I think that unless you know ownership could decide that they want to go a completely different way, where whoever actual ownership is at the end of this whole rigmarole. Uh, but I think you'd have to. I think you'd have to keep him. And if he doesn't get a job here, he's got to get a job somewhere else as a head coach. Yeah. Because this is a <laughs> the, this is a serious serious pull he's done. The, 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 there also happen to be a whole bunch of openings in the, in the league right now for coaches. Uh, I would say I would say there are probably several NWSL teams right now that are watching very carefully to see what the spirit do here. Um, and it would not be surprised he finds a job. I, I agree with you. I, one thing I do notice that there are things like Richie Burke would do on the sidelines, like how he would get just so angry at, at referees. And you see a little of it from from Chris Ward, but it's not nearly to the effect that you can hear him on the broadcast. Right, um, it's not. He's a very different style of coach. He's a much more, I'll say, laid back type of coach, and I think that at least leads you to believe that he's that that you know the players do like him. I think if he's the same type of person, I'm not sure the spirit have this run they're going on right now. Uh, and but I mean, he has talked about you know uh, Kelly O'Hara basically. I think he, I think he said in his post game was like basically after the forfeits, Kelly O'Hara was like, "F this, we're gonna let's go get him." Um, so this team is playing with a proverbial chip on their shoulder right now. Um, and I think that's why that that has driven them. Um, I, I think regardless of who the coach is, I think they still have the success they're having uh, because that that can be a powerful thing for a team when they have that chip on their shoulder. The no one believes in us. Everybody's upset with us. You know, let's go show them what we can do. Um, it can be it can be a powerful thing. And I, but I think certainly Chris Ward deserves a lot of credit for being the coach, for coming into this situation that I'm not sure he envisioned this situation as being his like first head coaching gig. Uh, and he's done a phenomenal job with the team to, to steer them, um, how, whatever he's doing out there. Uh, I think he's, like you said, you talked about some of the tactical changes he's made with Terry, Mc, with Terry Mickey own. Um, this yep. team has looked better tactically. Uh, I think they've made a little bit more sense tactically. There were some, there were some times like I was even looking at some lineups that Richie like throughout like I was I was reviewing some of the Chicago games like where they lost badly and I like look at the lineup and I'm like how do you like you've got like you you've got obviously Yokoyama um who they are they're good players they're good uh they are a good player uh but you've got you know Trinity Rodman Ashley Hatch like a uh, sort of as wing players and you have Ashley Sanchez playing like on the left side, I mean, just lineups that just didn't really. Paige Nielsen playing as like a center defense, a center, a center back. This was in their three-one loss to the to the to the Chicago Red Stars. So just that that was that one. The Paige was playing center back because of injuries. That was injuries, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the the up up top though, I, he there definitely was a lot more of a, a, a rejuggling of, of of players. I think Trinity had back spasms that game. So there, yeah, I, I would agree. I think Chris Ward, the real difference he has made, and then there's a great article in Black and Red about this that talks about how their defense turned around 
sort of from the Olympics on, they were having a very, a very bad run of form defensively. And what he was able to do is work with these players, A, get the Olympics players back, uh, but really figure out a way to limit mistakes, stop conceding off of set pieces, which was a big problem for this team for much of the year off of corners specifically, uh, and really, but not having that compromise your offensive ability. And that's obviously what all teams are really trying to find out, right, is how do you do both of those things at once without, you know, making one of those elements weak. Uh, and in the in his run, in this team's run, they were able to find they were able to finally do that. This is a different team the way they're playing from the Chicago Red Stars games so far this season. The I think both of the Red Stars games were at Segra. I throw those out as weird, right? I yeah. think that that's I think that's that's hard to really, you know, watch the last couple Spirit games and then think about the way that the Spirit played at Segra, and it's like they're it's like a body snatcher situation, entirely different players in the same bodies. So I think I think you guys got to throw all that out the window here, and think that it's going to be more like the way the Spirit have played overall versus sort of the historical runs against Chicago. That's you know that's our that's our hope because every one of those games has been ugly, <laughs> and 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 the neutrals, the NWSL neutrals, will not be excited for if they got similar to what they saw at Segura twice this year. Yeah, and again, you know, I think uh, I think again, you know, they they haven't played. I think since this run, they have not played the Red Star. I guess the last time they played them was August 1st. Uh, so they have not played. The Red Stars have not seen the Spirit team the way they've been playing, the way they've been, you know, the way they've been playing the game, the way they've been they've been doing. They're a very talented team, and they they had a bit of a, an escape of their own um, against uh, against Portland. Uh, both both the top teams in the league. I'm not sure like what the league like thinks of this. Uh, the fact that the Portland Thorns <laughs> and Oil Rain like are not playing for the final, considering they were far and away the best teams uh, uh, last year, uh, but they th- would not be liking this. I would <laughs> say that, that I would say I would say whoever the new commissioner is is not rubbing their hands together. The fa- I, I was talking to my friends before this game. I was like, the odds are the odds are wacky, but Portland should clean the floor with Chicago and. Uh, this is why you don't bet. <laughs> you don't bet soccer, I guess. <laughs> this is why you don't uh, you don't bet NW, NWSL. Um, I did find it kind of funny. There were some people talking about the awfulness that was Spain versus Sweden, which was on ABC. Was on big ABC. This was this was tucked away on on the CBS Sports Network, which you need a special cable package to even get. Um, my hope is is that maybe that that CBS Sports Network fills the NBC Sports Network void. Uh, when that channel shuts down, we'll, we'll see. I'd, I'd be curious to see if that gets promoted up at all on the um, on on cable packages. Uh, but it, that game was apparently terrible um, from from a certain tweet from a certain former DC United player. Uh, and this game was, I mean, just the quality on the field, the stakes, everything was just kind of coming together. Another, the field was not great. It's not great to watch uh, a game on a converted baseball field. Uh, there's a lot of oddities. I think the camera work too. There was like. The camera work at one point, like I think it would, it was raining and and it fogged up the camera and there and so it was not a, uh, it looked like you were kind of watching it through uh, through like your shower, like your shower door or whatever, like you it was it was yeah. fogged up or watching it through a window on like a cold rainy day or something like that, uh, so not 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 the most attractive thing, but I mean it was it was an exciting game overall and the quality of soccer was really good. The crowd looked uh, pretty big, was really into it. Um, I think I, I kind of wish I wish on all sides, uh, like some of these games, there was more investment in sort of having microphones kind of creating an atmosphere because uh, you can certainly do that um, in some of these games. But wild thing about the Red Stars is it's still unclear whether or not uh, Mallory Pugh will yeah. be available for the final. 
who are both in COVID-19 protocol. Her and Kayla Sharples are both in COVID-19 protocol. I believe, if I remember correctly, that Kayla scored against the Spirit uh, this year. I don't know if that's po- I don't know if that's true. Well, um, yeah, it it is ten days. I'm sure they will test no her. I, I'm sure they will test her before. I guess the upcoming. So I mean, it would be eight nine days, maybe. It just depends on. It just depends on what happens uh, as far as as far as I guess those positivity. Uh, positive tests, whether she can get consecutive negative tests. Um, apparently, that doesn't impact the spirits' uh, ability to. I'm sorry, the Red Stars' ability to go out and win a game. Uh, they, yeah. they, everybody was talking. I thought that was kind of going to be their death nail was the fact Mallory Pugh wasn't there. Uh, but they, you and everybody else. Yeah, but they kind they kind of fought through it. So it's going to be fun. It's again, uh, just like they played uh, Rose Lavelle, they are going to go up against a former player uh, in Mallory Pugh. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, folks, again, that game will be Saturday, 12 p.m. on CBS, Big CBS. I am making right. sure to set my DVR because I scheduled something without really thinking about it. Uh, so I will miss the game. So I'm going to mute my phone, do everything I can, come directly back from my thing, and just sit down and watch the game. Um, so no spoilers. Keep the chat. I apologize, John. I didn't know you were out. So I feel bad if I spoiled the game for you. Um, no, you didn't. It's fine. But uh, but everybody, if, if you are available and you can watch it, definitely tune in. It's going to be on big, big, big CBS over the air. Uh, should be a fun, fun matchup. I'm very much looking forward to to watching it. All right, now let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk uh, some DC United news. First, let's talk about the travesty that was the 2021 uh, MLS Awards, uh, oh, which yeah. were which just came out and uh they, i think there were everybody everybody's getting all up in arms about um i i think there is a uh a a a desire to see uh Erdan Lasada get coach of the year um i think if he continues down the stretch uh that he had i think around the midseason we were all kind of hyping it up and the work he's done with that team uh not to say i think he isn't deserving of some credit for how he's, I mean, we talk about the injuries this team faced, and we'll get to a little bit. He talks about a little bit of that, of that in the interview he just gave with Pablo Maurer. Um, but uh, but I think it's interesting that you know I I think that kind of hurt his hurt his chances a little bit. I think it also hurts the chances, and I think it hurt the chances of the other award. I think that most fans were excited about the team getting. Uh, this team was not on national television. This team had zero ESPN FS1 games. The only game they had on national TV uh, was on 2DN. Uh, against Atlanta. I don't know if that changes next season. Um, MLS, I think, is very clearly trying to boost ratings. Um, mm-hmm. And DC, for right now, really isn't a draw. If they go out and sign Cristiano Ronaldo, that certainly changes. Uh, but, you know, they had a lot of games last season that were on, like, ESPN and FS1 because they had Wayne Rooney. And that's the nature of how it works. It's it's not fair. Uh, it's certainly not fair. DC played some very exciting soccer. Uh, John, it, it, it also, and they had the golden, and they had the tied for golden boot winner yeah, on the team. That's true. That's true. Um, but again, I think it's a, um, it's it's a it's a nature of of what this team is right now. If this team starts going out, uh, signing big players, starts playing well, uh, I think they garner some maybe some more attention. I'd be curious if New England fell into that where they fell into the national like TV category. I don't remember seeing them on like national TV all that much. It apparently did not affect them having their players. Oh yeah, uh, elected to the shortlist. Oh, I mean, you, you <laughs> also because they because they're amazing and they you know everything else. Yeah, I mean, I well, and let's get to this. Let's get to the to the real. I think egregious part was that you know I, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily have been upset if he didn't win the award, but Annie Nahar deserved 
I think a ton of credit. Everybody was also dropping like Joseph Martinez as well. Um, I think that's also a good shout considering he came back from injury. Um, mm-hmm. I will say, I think Chicharito just came back from being bad, right? Yeah, Is that what, basically. He okay. had some injuries as well. He had kind of an injury riddle 2020. I think this was an incredibly tough year for the comeback player of the year. because Too many comebacks. <laughs> because I think the nature of the season that we had last season and how there were certain players that like just didn't show well, um, you know, including Joseph Martinez, who was injured, you know, I, I think I, I even saw like I, I forget. Was it Carlos Gill or Gustavo Bo was on the list for the revolution? I'm like, was he that bad last year? Like, I don't remember, like, talking about him, but I don't think he was like terrible last season. I thought he was he was uh, he was fairly decent. Um, and I think he is on the uh, it was Carlos. Hill. Yeah, Carlos. Hill. So like like I don't remember him being like terrible uh and then like daniel solely i'm like i don't honestly remember like him being like a down player either so i i feel like andy deserves some due there again i think it has a lot to do with the fact that the team just did not have the national exposure uh that you get and so i think it, a lot of people maybe were keeping up maybe they caught a couple games of dc but and again it's also a nature too of how crowded this league has gotten through 30 players uh, you need to do something really special. I think if the team has a better end of the season, makes the playoffs, I think maybe you're seeing them on a, on a few on a few more of these lists on these uh, end of year lists. Um, Ted, I've got a I've got a thing that will pivot us to the next to the next point of conversation. Yeah. Uh, how much do you imagine the Revolution paid paid to have Carlos Hill transferred to their team? Two million. One and a half million. One point six million. Okay. Pretty good. So yeah. pretty good, pretty good, pretty good bit of business from uh, Deportivo La Coruña and before that from Aston Villa. Uh, but now let's talk about a player who uh, was transferred for a little bit more than that. Yeah, uh, to DC United for five million. <laughs> um, and uh, if you haven't read, definitely go check it out. The Athletic article: uh, uh, Pablo Maurer sat down um, with uh, uh, with Hernan Lasada, um, and he had. I, I don't know if he like there wasn't anything groundbreaking in his nope. piece, but there were some interesting, interesting, uh, interesting thoughts. Most important thing he brought yeah. up was go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think, I think there, there are major themes that he, uh, would, would hit on pretty much every post game conference, but really wanted, he really wanted to, it was clear that he wanted to draw out the differences between the, between teams that can spend money and teams that don't. And then on top of that, on teams that don't spend money, but do have, uh, you know, their big players play a big part. Uh, he talked about the good designated players on a lot of the Eastern Conference teams in Nashville, in New England, in New York City, uh, Columbus, and uh, that sort of led that led Pablo into the next question, which was really important about what about us in Flores? And I'll read this part. I mean, it's not the whole thing, so I'll read this. I'll read this part in quote. Uh, he only played ten games this season, so I don't think we can afford another season where our DPs play so little. For us, our important players need to be playing a lot more minutes than they did this year due to different circumstances. We'll see if those players are who are going to help us next season or not. We'll need to make decisions in order to get better, either with or without them. We need to make sure that our DPs are contributing the same way DPs are contributing on other teams. That is uh, more direct than he ever spoke about Flores throughout the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I, I think he, he he did not like talking bad about individual players in impressive availability, which I get. But he's not talking about Paul Ariola there. No. No, he is. So he. I mean, it's more of an impact. I think if 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 Edison Flores, I think the biggest difference is Paul. I'm not sure like how many games. I have to go back and look at how many games Paul Ariola actually played. Because I mean, he also. I got gotcha. you. He also he also was a little bit injured too. But Paul Ariola was extremely impactful 
in those times when he was out there on the field. Uh, and Edison Flores isn't. And that's, I mean, if, if he played to only 10 games this season and he was impactful, uh, number one, I think this team makes the playoffs. Uh, number two, uh, I, I think I think you're, you're a little bit more uh, high on him. He's shown, like, it's just ever just brief flashes of, of, of brilliance. Uh, yeah, Paul played 20 games this 20 year. 20 games this year. So, so a lot more, um, a lot more. Uh, but, uh, you know, Hernan's exactly right. Uh, you, you can't miss on designated players. Uh, you, Regardless of how much you pay, you need to hit. Uh, mm-hmm. The the revolution did not have not – they're not they're not spending significantly more. They just have a really good organization, a really good structure, and also a really good coach. And I think I think DC yep. is, is developing that. I think they're still in the early stages of getting that together. Um, I, I'll be excited to see a couple of things. I'll be excited to see uh, – I, I, it seems to me also I think in the, in the interview he also hits on kind of the importance of offseason training. And I think yep. he is really eyeing this offseason to really get – make sure his guys are in shape so they don't have to start – so behind in his mind to sort of play his system. Um, I think he, he's even, he was impressed with, you know, the way the team came together. They bought into a system really quickly. He was not really expecting that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that has given him, I have given this team, like we talked about a really good base to build off of. And he also said that, so yeah, he said that the season began with seven players unavailable due to them being out of shape which to him I think is a cardinal sin that will not be tolerated at the beginning of next year. Mm-hmm. I think if you hear about any players like that uh, <laughs> next year, they will be they will be gone. They will be gone before the season starts. Yeah, I think that. Or, or, or he will make it known that those players are not in his plans uh, because now there's no excuse because now Aaron has been uh, the coach as they go into the offseason. Like, here's, our, here's my expectations. You know what it's going to be. And then the, I think the last thing of note that was interesting was sort of Loudon. The question mm-hmm. about Loudon, they <laughs> Pablo was like, they suck. They have sucked for a couple of years. Uh, they don't win very many games. What do you think? And he, and it was in the context of the other answers that he he gave. Basically, was like, I know that we could improve every single aspect of this club, make it more professional. It will take money. It will take time. But of those things, the most important is thing. It's going to take time. There's no way that we can get to where we want to be mm-hmm. next year. It's going to take money and it's going to take time and patience. Uh, so even though Ernan, I think we talked about this earlier, like what is Ernan's long-term goal and, and, and what he wants as a, as a manager here and elsewhere, he was definitely saying that this is not going to be an immediate fix for this club. Like all the things that he knows that we need to do is going to take some time. So I guess that's, that's also telling for patience, I think uh, in the fans, who maybe want uh, an owner to wave a magic wand and have this team sort of become a different club and be an echelon above where they're actually located. But he is a, I, I think he, I think he's a reasonable guy. Mm-hmm. I think he would, he, he has a lot of ideas about what he wants and he certainly made them clear. I think that's good. Like, right. Like I think there's a difference between being a coach that is impossible to work with, like, like an Jose Mourinho who both will tell you what he wants and then make your life miserable when you don't give it to him. But it sounds like at the end, he's like, he was saying basically at the end of the day, uh, my job is to play with the players they give me. And I have now done a lot more explaining on who I want. And I can tell now looking at the players who did play and how they were square pegs and round holes, uh, that what we, we know what we need now. But once the season starts, that's who I've got. So that's who I'll coach. So I thought that was I thought that was a good quote too. Yeah, and and another thing, what I think has made Hernan Lasada 
so impressive for, for me is his first year in the league. He very clearly, I mean, th- this guy, I mean, probably this guy didn't have much else to do. He's new to a city. Uh, so what did he do? I think he he turned. He, <laughs> he met a girlfriend. He, he, he has a girlfriend. I think if the girlfriend is is uh, he has a girlfriend now. Maybe that maybe those things will change. <laughs> yeah, but uh, right. but he pour, he very clearly watched this league. I mean, we saw in his Instagram feed he was watching the Concacaf Champions League games. He was watching. He said he watched every Loud United game live. Yeah, he watched it, which I can't even <laughs> say that I did. I mean, yeah, it's a very different when you have to watch it. But the 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 way this man, I think, an underrated talent. It's not just his his vision, his ability to motivate. This dude prepares, and what, what was so what was so amazing to me, and I, maybe this shouldn't be that impressive, is the play. Like he was asked about some of the big players in this league. He like literally lists off, you know, Carlos Gill, Gustavo Bo, uh, you know, Her- uh, Mukhtar, uh, he starts listing off. He goes, Zeller Rayon, this guy clearly like knows the league. Do you think like some of the other, do you think if you ask Frank DeBoer, like who his like favorite MLS players, he might name like one or two other than the players who play for his own team. I don't think he would have had that like type of foresight or that type of knowledge, but it's very clear to me that th- this and he also talked a lot about the how different everybody is in this league. Like you, it's not like he says in Belgium, you're very like teams pretty much play the same way. Uh, mm-hmm. You pretty much, you know, you play against one team, you pretty much know how to set up against the other team. There may be some slight differences, but in 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 the in the tools they're given, but they basically all play the same way. But in MLS, and this is very true, it's all very different. Some teams play possession. Some teams like like DC and New York are going to press. Some teams like uh, like. Nashville are going to kind of sit back and kind of like build through the back. Uh, you, you have varying play styles that you're going to see in this league uh, and very different types of players. And I think that's what makes this league so much fun to watch is you're not seeing the same thing over and over again. You're seeing, depending on what team you're watching, you almost have a different style. Uh, and I think it's a representative of, of, of kind of how this country is. And I, I think DC now has an actual style. Uh, and it's going to be fun to see what happens. I think in this off season, who they sign, how the team looks. Uh, one last thing about I feel like I feel like at the Edison Flores quote was like seventy five percent. He's gone twenty five percent, but we're going to leave the door open. I think they are going to. They probably and they, they may have already done this. Sit down and say, look, okay, this hasn't been what you wanted. If you stick by me, I, I'm. We're going to do a strict training regimen. We're going to get you in shape. We're going to get you in the best shape of your life come January. Like they did for Andy. What's that? Like they did for Andy. We're going to get you in the best shape you've ever been in your life. If by January things aren't working out, we're going to find somewhere else to move you. But right now, like that, this is it. You know, and, and I think I I would not be surprised if that's the mode he's going to take is like, let's see what he's like. If he comes back in sort of the same shape that he was uh, in January, then I think we need to find somebody else. So. Uh, I, I think he certainly knows that Edison Flores is a talent. I'm sure he sees something in him, uh, but I think it's a question of he needs to be out there. If he's not out there, then then he's he's dead weight on this roster. So um, we'll see. I, I think this is again, it's going to be interesting to see where, whether whether uh, Flores is back. Um, and I think also if the team finds somebody else in their scouting that they think can be better, uh, you best believe that maybe maybe he's gone before then. So. Uh, yeah, and and what kind of and and what kind of value can they get for the player yeah. at all? Uh, that wall dictated, but either way, this is. Uh, more, I think it's more context than we normally would get. Yeah. We didn't get this with Ben at the at the end of seasons, really. Nope. So I think this is I think this is a good overall for fans as we get excited about the future. This is 
This is good stuff. Yeah, it is. We like this. It is. It is. It is good stuff, and um, it's going to come fast. I mean, the the playoffs. Uh, we got a little bit of break with the international break, but the playoffs are going to come fast, and then it's going to be expansion draft. I, I don't know if DC is going to have any players, maybe of threat of them losing. I know their homegrowns will get some protection. Uh, obviously, they'll protect probably a top eleven, um, I, and then you've got a lot of dead weight. Maybe they expose an Edison Flores. I don't know. <laughs> Charlotte, Charlotte, Edison Flores is great. I don't know what the Peruvian community is like in uh, Charlotte, but uh, he would be great there. I'll be curious. Well, they have to. They do have to keep track. I think of a couple internationals, so um, we'll see what happens. All right, folks. I think this is going to do it for the show. Uh, definitely, please, please go uh, check out the Washington Spirit on on uh, on Saturday uh, in Louisville. I know some people are going to make down make the trip down um, to Louisville. I don't know if John's if John's going to be me, unfortunately. John John's going to miss the boat. I'm going to miss the boat too on that one. Uh, we'll plan better when they make their run to their second straight title. Uh, trust me. Maybe it'll be maybe it'll be actually at like someplace close by that we can actually drive to. Um, again, thank you all so so much for watching us. Uh, you guys are awesome. Uh, Twitch.tv slash RFGs. Donate your Prime sub again. Sorry for no live show. Uh, Producer Brian had some family. Uh, business he needed to attend to so could not do the show and i just didn't feel comfortable per, you know producing a subpar live show so you guys like the old days it's like it's the like old the old days. days exactly exactly uh guys we will probably be back on monday live uh to wrap up hopefully it will be a a championship for the washington spirit and we'll continue to talk uh soccer with you guys you guys have been awesome it's been a it's been a long season uh we, we've all enjoyed the time though and we'll uh, catch you guys uh next monday vamos vamos <laughs>